Good morning, everybody, <laughs> and welcome to the Bible Breakfast Program. Uh, Kirk here with Andy and Linda. Linda, for the first time, welcome. Thank you. Great to have you, uh, and great to have you if you're watching with us, especially if you're watching live. We do love our live uh, audience because you get the opportunity to contribute live if you've got access to YouTube chat anyway to our discussion this morning. We do love you if you're watching as a catch up as well, of course. Um, just a little bit less. A little bit less because just simply because you can't <laughs> contribute live for no other reason than that. <laughs> uh, so our passage for this morning is in my name label. So you can go to and get your Bible, whether you've got a paper one or you're using uh, the Bible Gateway website or uh, the Bible app, uh, Luke chapter five, verse 27 to 39 is where we're going. So I encourage you to get that open uh, and have it open as we go through our chat this morning. And as we usually say, we do encourage you not necessarily to watch us the entire time. Screen fatigue is a real thing. And so you're most welcome to pop us on and have us on while you're getting your lunch ready for work or for school or while you're doing your morning stretches. Uh, or That's what I do most of the time. Um, you know, just you know, pop those things down while you put a, a comment or a question in to contribute to our discussion. Uh, but yeah, it, we're not going to be putting any amazing visuals on the screen apart from our amazing faces. <laughs> That's the only amazing visual you'll be getting for this morning. Um, and yeah, we just hope that starting your day with Jesus uh, is going to be something that's useful to you. Uh, and uh, that's why we're doing it. So Luke chapter 5 is where we're going. Before that, I'm going to say a prayer and then Linda's going to read us our passage for today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us wisdom and understanding. As we listen to your word, may we know you better, love you more, and learn to please you in all we do. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Linda, Amen. over to you for Luke chapter 5, verse 27 uh, through to the end of the chapter. Okay. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples. Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on the old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment 
and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new wine, for he says the old is better. Thank you, Linda. Andy, uh, we'd like to retell the passage in our own words, and this morning that task goes to you. So yeah. lead us off. Uh, um, Summarise it for us. It's really, it's, well, it's kind of two passages, and the first one is much easier to summarise, so let's, let's get into it. Uh, so basically Jesus is uh, hanging out again in a town, and he sees this guy named Levi who um, uh, is a bit of a dodgy dude, like he's kind of a, uh, one of the more cor- probably one of the more corrupt people in the town as a tax collector, as an agent of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just says, just come and follow me, um, be, be my follower. And Levi's like, yeah, all right. And so he does. He gets up and he leaves and then hosts a big banquet um, for Jesus at uh, at his house and you know, it's a big party and there's lots going on. Um, uh, and, yeah, all of Levi's tax collector friends and all those kind of dodgy, sus people are at this banquet. And the um, sort of more religious, pious people are, are there as well and they're like, oh, why is Jesus hanging out with all these um, dodgy people? Like that's – I don't is he also dodgy? Mm. Uh, like I thought he was meant to be this nice religious guy. Like, you know, shouldn't you be hanging out with other nice religious guys? And Jesus is like, well, nah, man, if you're if you're feeling healthy and well, you're not going to go down to the GP for a script because you're feeling fine. But it's the people who are sick, they've got a runny nose or they're cold, they're going to go to the GP because they're the ones that need a doctor. So he makes um, a comparison between being sinful and being sick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then they ask him again, um, yeah, about why Jesus' disciples aren't fasting, which is when you we stop eating for a period of time um, and, and praying during that time as well. Uh, you know, make, make some comparisons to other sort of religious leaders. To be clear, um, you stop eating and you pray more. You don't stop yeah. praying. Yep. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yes, thanks for the clarification. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, they're making comparisons to other religious leaders who follow it, whose followers, yeah, have that practice. Um, and then he tells a couple of stories about why that is. And it's basically that, um, they're in this time of, um, almost celebration, I guess that, that, um, the bridegroom in the passage, which is Jesus referring to himself really, um, is, is here. And, you, you know, when you're hanging out with the bridegroom, they're about to get married, um, you know, it's a big celebration. You don't want to fast because fasting is sort of a, um, uh, I was going to say like a lament-esque sort of thing. Like it's, you know, it's a sadder thing. If you're not eating, you're not going to be having a good time. Um, uh, so, yeah, he says that. And then he tells a couple of little examples about when old things and comparing old things and new things and new things are almost always better. Um, and, again, he's referring to himself being that new thing Um, but classic jesus doesn't really explain it just kind of drops the story and um leaves it as is Mm. that's our passage all right thank you mate so a dinner party with plenty going on 
between Je- plenty of discussion between Jesus and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So lots of religious discussion going on. Let's have a religious discussion ourselves and uh, chat about our two main questions we like to take on at the start of each passage, which is what does this teach us about Jesus and what does this teach us about people? Anyone want to jump in with an opening thought from this? Well, <clears throat> I, I'm always fascinated by the way Jesus looks at somebody and says, follow me, and mm. they up sticks and, and follow. And to me that speaks of the incredible attractiveness of Jesus, Um, just irresistible attractiveness there to the ones that he's calling. And, And my thoughts are always for people who might have problems with religion, might have problems with church, yes, I can understand how that can be. But I often say, look at look at Jesus. What's what's not to like about Jesus? What fault can you find with Jesus? Mm. And he is the author of our faith. He is the one we follow. He's the one that shows what God is like. How can you resist him? Yeah. Mm. And to be clear, when you're talking about Jesus' attractiveness, you're not talking about his looks. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> he's the son of God. He was made perfectly. So oh, maybe he's a good-looking guy. Um, but, yeah, more more his character and, you know, the expression no, of love. That he... Package Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but, people, um, but Levi wasn't following him because he's like, yeah, it's oh, <laughs> a good-looking dude. <laughs> no, no, I'm being silly there, Yes. I'm always fascinated by the context of these sort of moments, isn't it? Because there's quite a few where Jesus says, follow me, and people go, all right. Um, and I'm going, I, you know, these stories that we get in the Bible, they're summary passages. You know, they're, um, they're not the writer telling us every detail of every conversation. You know, I'm sure this conversation that Jesus had with the Pharisees went for longer than what we've got written down here. You know, it's probably a lot of two and oh, it's a whole banquet, yeah. Um, and so, of course, it's been summarised for us. And so was it as simple as Jesus walking along, seeing Levi in his booth and going, follow me, and this sort of supernatural moment where Levi's just just gets it, just, just knows mm. that there's something special something godly about Jesus and he's like, yep, I, I just I just have this sort of spiritual understanding of what's going on. Or, or, or is did they have a longer conversation or, you know, was there, did he know about Jesus beforehand? Had he heard the teaching of Jesus and was like, okay, now that I've met him, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, to make that decision. We're not given those things um, by the author. But I, I guess maybe that's deliberate in the sense that the author is trying to give us a sense that it is quite sudden, you know, that that this is a dramatic thing for these disciples to do. You know, it, it's not a case of, well, they spent three years, you know, really coming to grips with Jesus' teaching and getting to know him. It, it really was a... I, I just left everything at the booth and, and, you know, and went and followed Jesus. So 
Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's I think it's similar to similar to um, previously with Simon, Peter, and um, and his brother Andrew, who are fishermen, and and they were I think they were sort of hanging out by, by their boats, and yeah, similar sort of thing. Jesus just comes up and you're like, yeah, come with me, and you'll you'll be fishers of men, and they're like, yeah, right, and they just leave all their boats and stuff behind. Um, yeah. And there is context to all that, you know, Jesus has been a rabbi and he would have been, like, Levi would have known who Jesus was, um, you know, by reputation. So it's not like he's just following some random dude. But still to just leave your entire career and livelihood and all that is still a dramatic change. So, you know, it's... I would say, guys, that... um, um, for for all of us, um, that there is a long lead up to our revelation of who Jesus is. Some, uh, you know, for my own personal experience, um, it was years and years of, you know, as a little kid, knowing that there was a God, but not really knowing much about Him. Then meeting people who did know about Him and started talking about Him until. I can remember the time when suddenly I realised that this was the the God that I wanted to follow. It was that aha moment. Mm. But it had long legs. And the same with St Paul. You know, we think his conversion was instant. It wasn't. It took years. He was steeped in the scriptures. He'd seen how the Christians um, behaved under persecution. He was... He was ready for that for that moment, mm. yeah. and when it came, it was it was the right moment. So I'm quite sure that um, that Levi's conversion had long legs. Up yeah, that's that. fair. Yeah, and then yep. everything came together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quickly jumping into the chat. Uh, morning to Di and to Renee and to Kira as well. Kira says hi, Linda. Hi, Kira. <laughs> uh, Dai says, lovely to see you, Linda. And then in a separate comment just after, and you guys as well, me and Kirk. So. <laughs> Hi, Diane. Uh, and then Diane's got a thought for us as well. Even if they spent years considering it, the move to follow Jesus is still a leap of faith, which changes their lives and requires giving up their precious life. Uh, you know, Previous life. Levi, yeah. uh, their previous life, yeah. Um, uh, Levi in particular, as a tax collector, would have probably been um, pretty well off. He, um, y- the way tax collectors worked, if you're not familiar with them in the old, in the New Testament, um, is that they would collect tax similar to the ATO, uh, but as much as they wanted, really. <laughs> it's like, you know, it might have been, a, I don't know, 15% tax rate, but maybe they take 20, 25, 50 um, and, and pass on the 15 to, to the Romans, but pocket a bit for themselves as well. Yeah. Yeah, which is why they're not liked and which is why the Pharisees are not impressed that then Jesus and his disciples are partying with yeah. Levi and his friends. It's like, well, these are the these are the scumbags. And it's interesting when we think about the sinners, right? So this is a this is one thought I've had about people in this passage. And it's it's something that's sort of confronted me throughout this year actually, is that I think we sometimes tend to think of oh, I don't know if this is what other people think, but I guess we tend to think of the sinners, you know, when they're mentioned, you know, the sinners in the Bible. You tend to think of people who get locked up in jail, right? Mm. Uh, that's where my mind goes. Like the people who, I guess in our society, they're the people who commit assaults, 
and those sort of violent crimes and, uh, and you know, the, the drug dealers and, you know, the sort of uh, the crimes that people get chased for in cop shows. Um, the sin here is, is corruption. And, and you, these are these these guys don't get locked up. The, the tax collectors are not the people who are getting locked up for their crimes. You know, these are actually some of the wealthier people in society. And actually, in our society, this sort of crime, people are not only not locked up for this sort of stuff. Sometimes they're congratulated and honoured, and we buy their books and watch movies about them. <laughs> um, and so. That's been an interesting perspective on it, actually. That, mm. like, and this party is is actually full of quite wealthy people, and and the the Pharisees, I think, are asking a fair question. It's like, why are you hanging out with these guys? You know, yeah. these guys, they they're working for the for the for the Romans who have come in. You know, they're the oppressive government, effectively. Yeah. Um. It's oh, and I found yeah. it challenging because, and I mentioned this with with Andy in a conversation yesterday. Like these are the these are the types of sinners in our society that I really f- find it difficult to love. I find it much easier to love the people who get locked up because I find they're more a victim of their circumstance. Often, you know, people have stolen things. You know, they're often a result of poverty. You know, but the corrupt wealthy people, mm. I find that hard, and yet Jesus, yeah, can f- forgives them as much as anyone else. And I'm like, but Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, can I say, Kurt, that I was thinking the same way. I was thinking sympathy for the Pharisees. Um, <laughs> um, to rephrase a yeah. popular. Um, um, yeah, and I was thinking, okay, who today would be someone that we would look askance at and see would have followed Jesus? I thought somebody like Rupert Murdoch or somebody like that that's, that's rich, that's, um, mm. you know, obviously, um, you know, had a lot of controversy around him and things like that. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I thought, yeah, I, I agree with you, um, Kirk. You know, I too in my... Um, <clears throat> Self-righteousness would um, would also think, oh my goodness me, what's yeah, what's going you, on there? You can well, imagine if, Tim, if our senior pastor Tim went and had lunch with Rupert Murdoch, I would be like, dude, should you do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And so that's quite challenging, you know, like to to see that mm. that Jesus is having lunch with these guys. Yeah, you can imagine if this was in twenty twenty, like a photo of Jesus with these tax collectors would pop up on social media on Twitter or something and they'd blast him. They'd be like, he's hanging out with these corrupt dudes. Like that means he's corrupt. Like it's, he's guilty by association. I can't believe he's just hanging out with these and like cancel culture would go off and, and you know, he'd be yeah, yeah that, put to shame. And it's not to say that Jesus is going, hey, they're doing a great job. No, I give no, them my endorsement, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and that's a, that's a whole other thing. So yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's not, and he, t- he describes them as sick. <laughs> so let's be clear. That, yeah, like, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, uh, the illustration he gives here is quite negative. Mm. But 
he's and he said i've come to call them to repentance so um but you, you, if you're going to call those people to repentance you need to spend time with them yeah exactly um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I find it deeply challenging. And let's be, feel free to move into our third question mm. for the last uh, eight minutes that we have today, which is how should this affect the way we live? Yeah, just quickly, um, Di's got a comment. Uh, praise God that we uh, do not have the role of judge and jury, um, that, you know, whatever our thoughts are towards a person, God is that perfect um, judge and and. Um, he provides justice there. And Renee says it's easier to think about extending grace and kindness to the downtrodden, but it's much harder to do that uh, to the corrupt and powerful. Yeah, I, I think that comment about, um, you know, praise God that we are not judges, and that's absolutely true, um, but we do do it. Yeah. And, and you know, and this and this is what I believe God calls us to repentance about, um, you know, when, when we exercise judgment rather than discernment yeah and i think renee's comment comes back to uh, our sense of justice sometimes so we can look at uh, you know kirk you gave the example of people who are in prison for violent crimes or something and we can sort of see justice has been done in that they're in prison they've been had their freedoms taken away from them but then we look at the corrupt and powerful people like rupert murdoch and and others um and we think well they're still in power they you know maybe they've got they've had a fine for some dodgy reporting or something, but it's, you know, it's $50 million, but they make $10 billion a year or whatever. Like it's, it, it can appeal to our sense of justice more that that's not right. And they're still in that powerful position. They're still well off. Um, yeah. But they, they deserve grace as much as, as anyone else. Can I pick up on something that you said, Kirk, which is, um, which has been actually very helpful to me because, um, because I'm interested in, um, in, world politics and I'm a bit of a news junkie. Um, I've, I've struggled with this American election. I've struggled with the way um, a, a, a large portion of influential Christians have supported Donald Trump. Um, but what you're saying, um, Kirk, made sense to me when you said, okay, um, these uh, Jesus describes these people as sick and then needs to spend time with them. And for that, I would say that then there would be um, bring forth fruits according to repentance. Um, so that's sort of um, given me a different perspective on um, on Donald Trump in that, um, yes, Jesus would, would receive and accept him, but his diagnosis would still be that, you know, that you are sick as we are all sick. Um, I need to spend time with you. I need to um, help you to bring forth those, um, a change of behaviour and, and things that show that you have repented. Mm. So, um, yeah, yeah. So that's just a little personal thing there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, this is a fascinating conversation. I wonder if, you, you know, if we think about the, the easier to show grace down, to, you know, if we're thinking economically maybe uh, than up, is this, maybe this is a pride thing too uh, that like, well, you know, I've, I've got more than those the, the people who are living in, in poverty and so in a way our own sort of pride kicks in there and uh, that, can, that can be a bit unhealthy I think 
in the sense that it becomes a bit of a charity case and we actually almost see people who have less than us as lesser people. Mm. Um, and so instead of actually elevating them and going, no, no, they're equal to me. <laughs> um, and so uh, I'm extending forgiveness to them and grace to them because, because they're equal to me in the eyes of God. It's like I'm just showing them pity, uh, which is not what they need and um, not not the way I would think that we need to view them. Mm. Whereas if someone's above us and we want to pull them down <laughs> to our levels, like you're not better than me. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, our own egos can kick in, I think. Uh, yeah. And, again, he, you know, Jesus just this sort of level, ego-free. I mean, he, yeah, he could rightly have the biggest ego ever because <laughs> legitimately right you know um you know, being the son of god and and having all the power that he did um but i just feel like this conversation he would have had would have been very calm it's going no it's not not the healthy you need a doctor it's the sick you know yeah um yeah the pharisees um, have been fired up like jesus how can yeah. you do this? <laughs> uh just as you were talking about um the sort of up and down social hierarchy bit uh renee has commented that uh it reminded her of the pharisee praying uh, at least i'm not that tax collector mm. um, which i think is further on in luke i don't think we've gotten to i don't luke. think we've done it yet no um uh so we'll leave that leave that discussion for another time but um essentially yeah he's thanking god that at least i'm not as crap as that guy <laughs> uh which is like oh that's yep yeah not a great prayer <laughs> And I mean that guy prays it out loud, but let's be honest, mm. we've all thought that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> in, in our own heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So coming coming back to our our question, what do we what do we do with this, and what do we mm. take away from it this week? Could yeah, could one of the takeaways be that we um, we show more grace, we express more grace, we pray more earnestly for our, our the, you know, the, those people above us socially or, you know, whatever in that. Probably economically anyway. Economically, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the people that we that we might be very quick to judge, you know, as, as Linda has said, Rupert Murdoch, Donald Trump, um, I mean, name a politician. <laughs> Someone's probably got an issue with them. Um, uh, but, yeah. Even the people with the biggest house in the street. Yeah, yeah. Um, praying for them, praying that they would know God's grace, uh, and asking God to help us love them as ourselves, as we would love ourselves. Yeah. Look, Jesus said that you know that the first thing that we need to pray for is those who are in authority, those leaders, those who are above us. You know, we must. I can remember in the old, the I remember in the old prayer book, we always used to pray for our gracious sovereign lady, Queen Elizabeth, her heirs and successors, <laughs> and then down through the prime minister, and you know, yeah, sure, <laughs> that sort of thing. And um, and yeah, yeah, I have um, I have often thought that I uh, I miss that, not you know that that we would be um, you know, praying deliberately and intentionally. Um, for our leaders, that we would engage deliberately and intentionally in, um, uh, you know, supporting them. Um, yeah. When they fail, how much of that is our fault because we have not um, 
prayed for them. It goes right down, Kurt and Andy, to, um, you know, we need to pray for you guys as um, as leaders of our church. You know, if you're going to slip and fall, then um, how much responsibility will God ask of us? You know, have you faithfully prayed for them? Hmm. Have you, um, yeah, so there, there's, a, there's a huge responsibility upon us to to pray and to uphold and to respect and that's where you mm-hmm. could get into real strife <laughs> um, those who are in authority over us mm. and there's a reason for it so that we can be the old prayer book oh gosh I'm showing my age the old prayer book said so that we can be godly and quietly governed so and that you know, produces some um, of the, the freedoms that we crave to to present the gospel and to present Jesus and to be able to do that freely. Mm-hmm. There's also this factor of Jesus actually spending time with them. Um, and I think, well, you know, take 30 now, but um, my last reflection on this is don't, don't underestimate how challenging it is to apply this sort of teaching, mm. you know, because when you do spend time when you do engage in a, in a world that I guess you might find distasteful, uh, that you might find, um, you know, quite off-putting, uh, there's no guarantee that people are going to want to change, um, yeah. you know, that they will just come, you know, oh, I'll spend a bit of time with them and suddenly they'll all want to repent of their corrupt ways. <laughs> <laughs> like you're the magic <laughs> influence. So, yeah, uh, but, you know, I think it's like, You've got to be ready to to, to engage positively, mm. um, and being for the long haul in that. And I've tried to do that in a couple of areas of my life, and honestly, uh, most of it has been very frustrating and disappointing, um, with an occasional occasional glimpse, um, you know, of, of success. And, and honestly, I think that's the way it went for Jesus too. Like it's not like all the tax collectors. You know, it's not like corruption ended uh, no. in Jerusalem, <laughs> you know, uh, with the ministry of Jesus, despite all the miracles that he did. So, um, yeah, we don't want to think that, that in, you know, just one little thing that I do is yeah. going to make a difference. But obviously if lots of people positively engage and, and we all sort of have a positive attitude, then mm. more and more of those small moments will happen. And it's not it's not to excuse the corrupt behaviour. It's no, not to no. it's... Um, accept what they're doing is good or right. You know, when we're talking about respecting our leaders, it's not yeah, it's not giving them a blank check to to do whatever they please. We still keep them accountable. Um, but yeah, yeah and I'm pretty sure that those attitude. prayers that Linda's talking about, uh, my memory of them is that there's a certain level of accountability within the prayers. You know, it's not like Hey, they're doing a great job. Just keep blessing them. It's like it help them to do a good job and to do justice, and you know, yes. it's like keep them on the on the straight path. So, um, yeah. Well, yeah. guys, great to have a chat this morning. It's been a real good one, and I feel like I need to go away and keep thinking about some of this stuff. Yeah, it's been um, a meaty one. Let me close in prayer and thank you to all those who have been watching live and contributing in the chat. Uh, as usual, we appreciate your input. Lord and Heavenly Father, you have brought us safely to this new day. Keep us by your mighty power. Protect us from sin.
guard us from every kind of danger. And, all we, and in all we do this day, direct us in the fulfilling of your purpose. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining us, Linda. Fun to have you. Thank you, guys. Thank you.